Another day, another debate, or pretend debate, should we say. I mean, it kind of feels like a charade at this point because you don't actually have the guy that's actually going to be the GOP nominee on stage. Anyway, executives over at Fox, oh my goodness, are they ever nervous? I mean, hey, they got a new boss and everything. And well, ratings weren't so hot last time around. So wait till you hear how they're trying to peddle this one. Praying, hoping some people tune in. I doubt it's going to happen. Anyway, we got a great show coming up today. Have you guys been wondering what this whole Roman Empire thing is, this whole social media trend going on? And, uh, well, full disclosure, they're trying to say this is a male thing. I, like, do think about the Roman Empire a lot. I've written speeches on the Roman Empire. I talk about a lot in the show. And I'm kind of just excited that people are finally now talking about it as well. But there's a reason for it. We'll explain. We are so happy to have here with us coming up live on the program. So I encourage you in the chat. This is live. I can see all of your comments. Go ahead. Ask questions about the economy. Ask about gold. Ask about the shutdown that's coming. Anything you want, because Charles Thorngren, one of the sponsors on this program from LegacyPMInvestments.com, he is coming on. So we can't wait for that. But let's start first here with this unbelievable little antic. I mean, how petty can you get, really? I mean, Fox, you fired Tucker. You're really going to get all upset when, you know, Tucker just happens to beat you in the ratings? I mean, couldn't you have foreseen that one coming? Couldn't you have foreseen this dramatic change that's happening in media right now? I mean, your buddy Bob Iger, Lachlan, word to you, he gets it. Over at ABC, he's trying to make the necessary changes. He's selling off all his cable assets, including that rather lucrative ESPN, because he knows it's not the future. Before I completely count Lachlan out, you might be selling too, wouldn't you? Right? I mean, would you really want the headache of Fox News and Donald Trump? Do you really think that Lachlan is going to be able to manage a place like that. I mean, the guys and gals he has managing it right now are struggling as it is. It's really kind of unbelievable. I got to show you this because it, it kind of speaks volume about what is going on. Quick reminder, by the way, do me the favor of subscribing. Make sure you subscribe to the show. The little button's right there. We are live every day here on YouTube, Facebook, uh, often on Rumble as well. So it's really great to have you guys all here. Again, I can see your comments, so appreciate all of you watching. But this is tremendous because look at how awkward this became and I don't know what was going on. Like, if I were the anchor, I would have just started talking right over probably whatever was happening there because <laughs> Trump is insulting Fox while appearing on their air, <laughs> mentioning how stupid their debate was and what the heck was that all about. And by the way, they didn't get any numbers on it. Let's take a look and the awkward moment that follows with the anchor, who, by the way, had hosted the debate. <laughs> And we're the only ones going up. They're going down. They're going down, down, down. They ought to stop wasting their time. You know, they're wasting a lot of time with these ridiculous debates that nobody's watching. Their last debate was the lowest rated debate in history. That's a good compliment, isn't it? Now, what was I doing, Marjorie? I was someplace else, wasn't I, huh? I was doing another interview. We had 271 million people listening to the Tucker Carlson interview. That's an old time. So here we are uh, back in the thick of campaign season. We are now just four months away from the Iowa primaries. And you see former President Trump in a place where you would expect to see him today and in the days to come, South Carolina. 
Nah, so she's just pretending like that never happened. He never just insulted the debate and pointed out that he did so much better in ratings with Tucker Carlson. I think he said 261 or something. I've seen corrections in the media. Because, you know, the media gets all worked up about this. And they're like, oh, it was only 250-something. I don't really care. The point is, one was 11 million, maybe 11 and change. And the other is like 200 and something million. Okay, so I think that that's pretty darn clear. You know, the, the, the Fox News Corporation and the media can get all bent out of shape about him saying it was a 270-something or 260-something, and they're like, no, it was this. I'm sorry. You had me at 200 million, all right, compared to the 11. So 11 was a pretty good showing under the circumstances. I mean, they didn't have Donald Trump there. And now they're trying to already manage this. I was reading an article this morning in Vanity Fair in which the executives were trying to say, well, you know, we, we don't expect to get the same kind of tune in, but we're going to broaden this. It's not just going to be on the economy. So it's being hosted, you see, by Fox Business, a network I used to work at. In fact, I have hosted two of those presidential debates myself there at Fox Business. And, and I'm familiar with everything that's going on in the hours preceding this. They're trying to figure out the questions. They're fine tuning them, this, that and the other. They have a whole research team. It's helping them just to make sure everything is, in fact, accurate. The problem I have with these debates and the reason I actually like the interview format better better is because they're very contrived, super contrived. I mean, it's really annoying because the questions are written out. I actually wrote all my questions. I actually wrote some questions for another anchor too while I was there because, um, well, why not? I'll I'll spread my generosity. I had so many questions to ask. But my point was, look, uh, and, and is, you need a little bit more sort of give and take, right? These, these scripted questions and Can you follow up? Can you not follow up? You've got producers yelling about the time. I just don't like it. It's so artificial. And so now they're going to have Stuart, who's very good, by the way. He's got a really good um, sense of economic policy, what works for the economy, the kinds of policy that will make us better as a country. So I have some faith in him. They've got Dana. I'm not really uh, as familiar with her at all, actually. Um, I, I know she she did host a two o'clock show. I, I think she does a morning thing now. I'm not as familiar with sort of her depth or ability. Very, very nice person. But I, I'm confident in Stu just because I've known him for a long time and worked with him. Um, the, the problem, though, is you just don't have the meat on stage, right? You don't have Donald Trump. So what is this debate really? Are we auditioning for second place? Is that what this is? Because, you know, who cares? It's very clear. It's very clear who the winner is. And I'm sorry, but, you know, DeSantis, who's in second, I guess, to Donald Trump, he's never going to get picked as VP. Like, let's be uber clear about that. There's no way that Trump is picking him. By the way, he's done, like, everything wrong. I mean, that, that's why, like, major donors are pulling out this big article in Politico today saying that his, his team members are kind of, you know, just waiting for him to exit. Like, he's not even getting the kind of leverage that he used to have in Florida now because he's kind of, he's just sort of blown it. And, and I won't, I, I mean, maybe tomorrow I'll play this for you. I do have Charles coming up, so I want to get to him momentarily. But um, you, you'll recall those memes that he ran, some of which were really rather distasteful. Okay, so Ron DeSantis is just kind of not running what you might call a tight ship. For all the things that Trump did that people would get frustrated about, he didn't have team members running entirely rogue, putting up memes that were, well, as controversial, shall we say, as Ron DeSantis. So DeSantis has a whole host of problems, one of which, of course, is what the heck does he stand for? 
I didn't like, I mean, I, I don't like Disney, but I didn't like some of what he had done there only because, look, we don't want to be Venezuela. We don't need the government controlling everything. If Disney's going to fail because it makes a bunch of stupid, stupid, stupid moves and parents are like, you know what? I don't really want my kid going to see the Disney movies. That's parents' problems and Disney problems. Like, we don't really need the governor doing that. Anyway, so he's just made a series of missteps. I, I, I said from the beginning, he's got, I, I'm most certain the raw intelligence. He went to Harvard, Yale. He was an athlete. Like, he's got the whole package, right? Beautiful wife, all good. He just doesn't seem to like people. And I think if you're going to be in politics, you really do have to like people. I mean, that's kind of like a prerequisite. And Donald Trump, he kind of likes people and he likes the attention and he likes getting up there and joking with them. And so he's very natural. It's very authentic. And it's like, you like him or you don't like him. And that's a problem too, because for the people that don't like him, they really don't like him. And for the people that like him, they really like him. What it's going to come down to, is he, is he able to get the independence? Look, I'll tell you, brand new poll out this week. Everybody's talking about it. ABC News, Washington Post. Donald Trump is up by 10 points over Joe Biden. Okay, so forget about the, the little GOP debate thing happening on Fox or Fox Business, where, as I said, by the way, one of the people isn't even from Fox Business. So I'm doubting there's a real sort of depth of knowledge about the economy on that front. And one would hope they'd be asking some economic questions. I guess we have to put a lot of faith in Stu. Um, you know, they, they've got this little debate going on, but yet... The, the man who is actually ahead by a country mile, who will be the Republican nominee unless Larry Tribe over at Harvard and his friends, various uh, members of uh, the sort of state councils that are trying to get the 14th Amendment to somehow apply in this ridiculous attempt to get Donald Trump off the ballot, unless that's successful, guess what? It's going to be Donald Trump come November 2024. That's just reality. And unless someone has the, shall we say, the cojones in the Democrat Party to tell Joe Biden to exit stage left, as he should, because he's getting older and he's struggling. And we read today that he's taking physical therapy lessons to try and make sure that he doesn't keep falling on stage. I mean, I'm sorry, when it comes to that, it's kind of game over. So unless somebody within the Democrat Party can stand up to him and say, you know what, it's been great, buddy, but bye-bye, sayonara, then you're looking at this rematch of Donald Trump versus Joe Biden. And America has seen what has happened under Joe Biden. And so as much as they want to tell us all this crazy stuff, like it's the Russians. Oh, that's the latest, right? <laughs> they're, they're going back to the well. It's the Russians. It's Russian election interference. That was exactly what Hillary Clinton had to say. Or how dare, how dare the Republicans try and impeach or launch an impeachment inquiry into Joe Biden for the possibility that, yeah, he might have done some really reckless stuff. I mean, take a look at this. This is Nancy Pelosi going on with the person du jour. Did, did Rachel Maddow retire or something? She's just doing like one night a week. So they have their new favorite person over at MSNBC. And that would be the woman that used to work for the Democrat Party and Joe Biden. I mean, you want to talk about sleazy. So much for journalism. So much for any kind of impartialness. I mean, this Jen Psaki has drunk all the Kool-Aid, was paid by these people, got her little gig trying out the TV thing. She's not very good at it over at MSNBC. Well, here she is with Nancy Pelosi. And it's wild. Listen to this. Unbelievable. Just blatant, like insane, hypocritical lie out of Pelosi's mouth. Watch. 
But you, if you have a difference of opinion, you just can't be impeaching, impeaching. On the other hand, this is a fake distraction, as you said. <laughs> They're trying to call it a fake impeachment. Let's play it again, okay? Listen. And remember, the Democrats impeached unsuccessfully because he stayed in office Donald Trump twice. Okay, here we go. But you, if you have a difference of opinion, you just can't be impeaching, impeaching. On the other hand, this is a fake distraction, as you said. As you said, Jen, because you know what? You gave me my talking points. You used to be our PR person. Now you're the one that's interviewing us. And I'm just going to stick to those talking points that you told me. I mean, come on. Come on. Don't you think Americans deserve better? Well, when that's not working, you can go back to the well as Hillary Clinton just did. Take a look, ladies and gentlemen, sitting down with none other than Peppermint Patty again. I'm sorry, but she's living up to the reputation, the red suit, the red hair, the lighting, everything. I'm sure she's a lovely girl. I'm sure of it. But anyway, here she is with Hillary Clinton, who's trying to tell us that somehow Putin is awful because he actually buys favor with government officials in different countries. And I'm like, well, wait a second. I'm sorry. It's like, is that not what China did? Ukraine did? Romania did with Hunter Biden? I mean, pot calling kettle. Here we go. He has uh, intervened in our election in the past. Right. It's not something. Okay, we had a technical issue. Let's go back. Let's see this again. Vladimir Putin uh, has obviously your friend, <laughs> your friend and mine. Uh, yes, indeed. He has uh, intervened in our election in the past. Right. It's not something, as you experienced firsthand, it's not something we talk about a lot. Do you fear that that is something that could be happening for 2024? And do you think we should be talking about it more? Well, I think we should be talking about it more because I don't think, despite all of the, uh, you know, deniers, uh, there's any doubt that he interfered in our election or that he has interfered in many ways in uh, the uh, internal affairs of other countries, funding political parties, funding, you know, political candidates, uh, buying off, uh, you know, government officials in different places. Okay, again, I'm sorry. Like, what are we going through with the whole Hunter Biden thing, right? That's what that's about. Oh, and one more, and then we're going to talk about the economy. Charles Thorngren joining us momentarily, but one more just to kind of get your blood boiling because, you know, I, I enjoy getting everyone excited here. Eric Swalwell, this one is something else. You know, the guy that took up with Fang Fang, Yang Yang, Fang Fang. The Chinese spy. You no, know, nature abhors a vacuum. In, in a void, uh, Republicans, you know, will continue to tell lies uh, about President Biden. And, and that's in part why I, I think his approval rating is as low as it is, is that they tell these lies. We don't punch back hard enough. We play on our side of the field rather than theirs. And then on the right wing uh, media ecosystem, it just reinforces those lies. And then they use the low poll numbers to justify why they're going to lean in uh, even more. Wow. I mean, it's like they're delusional and they think that if they just keep saying all this stuff like Binomics is working, it's somehow it's going to be OK. Well, I'll tell you, Binomics is not working. We just got the latest inflation report up 3.5 percent. Up. OK, up 3.5 percent in the month of August. Most of that was attributed, in fact, to a gain in energy prices because you see oil accounted for the bulk of the inflation gains. And that was up 10.4 percent. I'm sorry. When you have a president who has absolutely positively no energy plan whatsoever, whose own energy secretary 
laughed in the face of the Bloomberg reporter that asked her, what is the Grand Home plan for energy? And she laughed hysterically. I mean, sickening, right? Because she had no plan. And the answer was just to laugh. These people are not serious people. And we're actually dealing with some pretty catastrophic stuff. So, yeah, when you want to, you know, joke about the Roman Empire and the fall of the Roman Empire on Twitter, I'll tell you, I got one little clip I want to play for you from a guy who, who's so spot on. It's not a joke. Like, this is actual real stuff. I've talked about it for years. I want to introduce to the conversation. Let's see if I can pull this out. So we've got Charles Thorngren, who's going to be joining us here. Uh, Charles, welcome. Good to see you, my friend. We were just talking about how crazy this economy is, how bad it is, how much money we're spending, 33, 33 trillion in debt and still counting. And, you know, everybody's talking about the Roman Empire. I'm going to play you some clips on that, Charles. But first of all, welcome back to the show, my friend. I should point out the very first sponsor of the Trish Regan's show, your company, LegacyPMInvestments.com. Good to see you. Great to be here. Thank you. <laughs> so well, here we are. You said, What's that? You know, how easily we say the word trillion nowadays. Yeah. That in itself is a telltale sign of how bad things have gotten. Yeah. Trillion flows off of our tongue like it's a billion, like it's a million. That's a sad statement right there, but it's a reality. Yeah. I mean, and, and I haven't talked to you since that new inflation report came out, but we saw consumer spending, consumer prices, forgive me, rising again, up 3.5%. I think if you look at this on an apples-to-apples basis, what you actually see is since Joe Biden has come into office, we're up about 16% overall in consumer prices. And look, wages have not kept pace with that. I know wages are going up too, but not at a rate that is equal to what we're seeing in the increase in prices. I mean, this is, to me, kind of scary because I, I just don't know how sustainable that is, especially when you're talking about you know, government shutdowns and another $24 billion for uh, the funding of Ukraine. Regardless of what you think about Ukraine, like that is a lot of money. And I'm like, hey, we got to fund the U.S. government and the Ukraine government, too. I mean, this is this is money we don't have, Charles. We, we don't. And like you said, it's another $24 billion. It doesn't include what we've already done. You can never raise the wages to fight inflation. That practice never works. Because the raise in wages also raises some people into another tax bracket. You could theoretically raise someone into a wage bracket to where they now make less because they've crossed a tax boundary. You know, just I, I just get it. I, I was saying this to someone actually just yesterday because we got some numbers out of Baltimore. I'll actually share these with you so that I don't get them wrong, but they're pretty darn horrible. Um, and, and, and it shows you just how things are deteriorating under certain economic policy, right, that has benefited maybe unions, teachers unions, and kind of chopped away at, at things that we really do need to be focused on, like education or kids' education. And, and it's not happening in Again, in this in this Baltimore location, and you just made me think of it because one of the things that I brought up, and yes, like clearly, you know, we got to do something about giving more choice in school and more opportunity, I think, for everybody. But it's also sort of tax policy, if you would, right? Because tax policy, as it currently stands, to your point, like you can make more but effectively make less. Or in the case of you know, two married people, if they 
now are making more money, they're thrown into a different tax bracket. And I just think it's pretty bizarre that we're doing things to discourage work, to discourage family. Here we go. In Democrat-run Baltimore, zero students tested proficient in math at 13 of the city's public high schools, just 92 out of 809 students at the city's top five, top five public high schools tested proficient in math. I mean, this is wild to me. And I actually, because, you know, I'm dorky enough to bring everything back to the economy, I think it has something to do with just mismanagement of money, mismanagement of our economy, and mismanagement of tax policy. And, uh, well, I know this is right up your alley, too. Uh, Right? Two sad statements there, right? They don't test proficient. And guess what? That test is horrible. Being proficient on that test does not make you a superstar. Being proficient on that test means you do just enough to get by. That's not how we succeed. This is not how we take back uh, ownership of inventors, of engineers, of manufacturing in this country. Being proficient is not what made us a great country. Being great is what made us a great country. So you take this test, which has such limitations, and it doesn't reach for excellence. It reaches for standard. And we can't even match that. The fact that it's in any city in the United States is ridiculous. The amount of money we spend for schooling, and I'm not going to talk about teachers and things like that. I'm just going to talk no, about by the way. The and I love world. teachers. I, I yeah. just to be very, very clear. I actually think that it is an incredible job and we need to pay them better, but there, there needs like it needs to, it's probably the unions that have ruined it. Frankly. I mean, unions I love teachers. Don't get me wrong. You, you have as many people sitting in the administration office as you do in the classroom. <laughs> That's a problem. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, let teachers do their job and you don't need people to that many people to be administrators. If you're not forcing an agenda on these teachers that they have to teach, mm. you don't have to monitor them to make sure that they're doing it. Yes. The, it's an interesting point. In most schools, the, the parents will tell you if the teacher's teaching. Well, they, they don't want parents involved, right? Like, that's part of the whole thing. Like, they're kicking them out of school board yeah. meetings, and they, they don't want them because it's all, it's all big, big government, big state, $33 trillion and counting. You know, mm-hmm. it, it, this is not sustainable. I wanted to play you something. By the way, we're getting great questions in, so we're going to go to questions. Jake, I promise you, one of our loyal viewers here, Michael Donald's taking it in a different direction. He's asking you about your favorite uh, music stuff. But I want to go to Jake, um, who's got a good question. We'll, we'll get this to music not, stuff too. But Jake's got a good question on gold. But before we do that, guys, I got to play this for, for the viewers. I got to play this for Charles because I really was struck by this. There's this whole thing going on online about the Roman Empire and it's like uh-huh. a TikTok craze and women are asking their boyfriends or their husbands, hey, like how often do you think about the Roman Empire? And they're like, uh, a lot. <laughs> and the women are like, what, why? So I'm like a weird woman that actually does think about it all the time. Um, and I've thought about it for years. I mean, as a student of history, I've written a lot uh, of speeches that I've given, <laughs> I remember like 10 years ago giving this speech and some guy coming up to me and being like, oh my God, like thinking I was really like out there. And I'm like, no, no, you don't understand. <laughs> like we can't, this is not sustainable. 
And like you think about militarily what's going on, all these like wars that we have to fight all around the world, very similar to Rome. You think about keeping people sort of down on the farm, living off the dole, all this stuff, very, very similar to Rome. The debt, the bloated government, the corruption, the graft, the, the social hedonism. I mean, there are all kinds of similarities. But there's this one guy who was asked by his wife, and I want to play this for you and for everybody because I think you'll get a kick out of it. This guy is so spot on, Charles. I, I, I was saying to uh, my team that I work with, I was like, oh, you know, I wish he was wearing a shirt. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. His wife put some graphic up in front, but she kind of caught him like, he is the best. Like, I, this was better than anything else I saw. So I'm going to share it to you, and we will react. Here we go. Do you ever think about the Roman Empire? All the time. Why? What are you, what are you thinking about it? Well, because we're in those times right now. Everybody's preoccupied with sports, movies, work. You know. What was he said about bread? Well, all right. The common people, Roman Empire said that everybody was equal. Everybody had a chance. Uh-huh. But it wasn't. The rich got richer and the poor got poor. And they worried constantly about people rioting. Because uh-huh. they knew that the common man, the common people, uh-huh. could take over at any time. So they would bring them into the Colosseums. And they would give them free grain. They would give them bread. They would give them wine, whatever they needed, to fill their bellies and block their minds from what they were angry about. They would watch plays. They would watch fights with the gladiators, sometimes for months on end. And that's where we're at right now. And I think about it all the time because so many people are preoccupied with their favorite football team, their favorite actor, actress, singer, and they... They just don't even think about what's being taken away from them. As long as their bellies are full and they're happy with what's going on, they just let it continue. Wow. <laughs> She's like, I didn't quite expect that, uh, bringing Charles back on here. Uh, you know, I, I thought it was a, a pretty good summation. I mean, that was part of the problem, right? Like, they Absolutely. thought, like, they could just keep people happy enough spend a you know but it really wasn't about upward mobility there wasn't the kind of equality that you needed and you saw all kinds of problems you know one of which of course i think we can very easily equate to what's going on today and that's this reckless spending i mean they just spent their way into oblivion and i i worry about us and you know if you look into the roman empire too they had a massive inflation problem that's where it started. It was inflation first. And, and this is when they, they, you know, created their own silver coinage. That was their currency. And then they created gold coinage. And, and it got to the point where the inflation was so bad that the wars couldn't stop. They needed to invade so they can get more minerals and more metals so they can create more coins and more gold coins and more silver coins. They needed that because they ran out of the actual metals in their territories. Now, yes, there was it was a conquer nation. That's what they were intended to do. Um, but inflation let it all off because it got to the point where people couldn't afford food. This is why they gave them food. This is, um, you know, a, a great scenario there is that they used to shave the amount of metal on coins and issue it out. So they weren't paying full price as things started to get more expensive. You had people removing and, and you went... Amazingly enough, at the time, you know, the silver coins were 95% silver. 
when we created coins here in the United States, we were only at 90%. We had other metals there. I did not know that. Yeah. This is what you bring me here for. This is <laughs> yeah. stuff no one else knows, right? Everything I want to know about precious metals. <laughs> hey, anything you guys want to know, again, we'll get to the questions in a second. And Mike, he, he's, he's asking a lot about my music. Yes, I play piano and I sing no guitar. But anyway, guys, we, we'll, we'll get back to uh, Charles. They've got some questions for you, Charles, too. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, so 90% silver coinage here. They were doing better than that in Rome. But well, and, and then when it slipped... And then when it slipped, and even here in the United States, we went from 90% to 40%. 1965. Now, now, your, now your silver coins have very little silver in them, unless you're getting a silver dollar, right? right. Um, if you buy the, the, the American Eagle silver dollar, that's 99.99% pure silver. It's meant as a silver coin. It's giving currency so the mint can make it. But the other coins, they have very little silver, 40% silver now. Yeah, and that is a sign of the times, and that's a sign of inflation. It was done when inflation was a, it was a difficult period here in the United States. And, and the other thing that they did is at the end of the Roman Empire, they quit minting coins, and they went to a fiat currency, which Wait, we did. That, in, in, I, that's in, another very interesting little tidbit there. Okay, so now we get another analogy. I, I had forgotten about that. That was not tip of my mind. I mean, the Roman Empire, maybe, but I had forgotten. That's very important. They went to a fiat currency. Walk Absolutely. me through that, Charles. They went fiat because they couldn't keep metals, right? They couldn't get enough metals. And what they did was they created this society that was so big and it had to continue to grow that they had to create fiat currency. The difference was their fiat currency was if you don't accept it, our armies come in and kill you. You will take our debt and we will tell you what it's worth. Oh, gosh. It's not that unsimilar to what we're doing today, if you think about it. Well, There's, I don't know as we tell people what it's worth, right? I mean, we, do we are saying, like, you take our debt or else, I guess. I mean, that's an interesting correlation that you might be able to make between sort of the, the hegemonic power, right, of the U.S. and the military of the U.S., and why you buy. Our, I mean, I've made the point before. We're, we're damn lucky, let me just say. We are damn lucky that everybody still wants to have their money in the U.S. Because if For they now. didn't, we would be no different than any banana republic. I mean, gosh, I mean, the similarities are rather quite striking. Um, but anyway, we'll leave that for another discussion. But it, it, it's really pretty incredible, right? But you, there's no reason to be in Argentine, in Argentine bonds or you know, no. right now because of sanctions, you can't even be in Venezuelan bonds. But mm -hmm. I started my career actually trading sovereign debt in emerging markets, specifically Argentina, Venezuela, Brazil, and Mexico. And the only reason you'd be in those bonds, right, is because you were getting an enormous return, but you had to watch it like a hawk because any kind of political disruption could mean that they'd just wipe it out and they'd default and you'd Start be over. out of luck. Right? And, but the U.S. has always been that pillar of stability, and yet I question how much longer that i mean we're it's not like this is going to happen overnight everyone like i you know i don't want to over dramatize it but i think when you look out over the next 50 years there's a real question about whether or not the us continues to remain the superpower it is and therefore you know if it's not do we still have people pouring money into our economy probably not therefore your dollars are going to be worth what pennies I mean, by the way, it happens regardless of that. 
Yeah. I mean, consider, right? Like the, over time, yeah. real estate, car prices. I did an analogy the other day. I was very curious about this because I was looking at like what I made when I first started at Goldman Sachs is, you know, the, what the analyst job was. And I compared it to an analyst job now. I mean, the analysts are getting paid a lot of money now compared right. to when I was graduating from college and getting this job. Um, it's quite a multiple. And it's really the one thing when I looked at it all, when it was all said and done, what I actually saw was that everything had gone up in price, right? Like everything. So if you need to get a studio apartment, if you need to get a car, like all this stuff. So your cost of living has gone up dramatically. If you're like graduating from college and you're lucky enough to get a first year analyst job right on Wall Street, yes, they're going to pay you more, but it's going to cost that much more. And then I looked at right. it compared to like what it cost me and I wasn't making as much, but actually the cost of living wasn't quite as much. And then I looked at gold <laughs> and then I looked at gold and the gold actually totally had kept pace and a little bit better. And it doesn't always happen, right? The way the years work out. Right. But I was like, that's interesting. It's not a minute by minute correlation, but it is over time, you know, you, you, you pick a, a series of a couple of years and yeah, it's lockstep. Gold gives you that value. Now, understand that this is not a coincidence. We can thank Hamilton for this. Mm -hmm. This is how fractional reserve was established to set up with us having an inflationary rate. Mm -hmm. The government doesn't do it because they don't like us. Whether they like us or not, that's debatable. Yeah, I and I really don't do. care. I don't like um, us. Certainly not me. I don't like them either. So it's okay. I, I'm okay. <laughs> we're, we're, we're mutual enemies and that's fine. <laughs> but it's done for them. Every bond they write, they get to pay back with cheaper money. It's done specifically for that reason. Oh, so because a trillion dollars today. Yeah. A trillion dollars today is nothing 15 years from now. Okay. I see where you're going. It's That's, a grand spot design. On. Spot on. Some spot may on. say, some may say, and, and if I'm asked in court, I, I'll say I don't remember if I said this or not. Some may say it's a Ponzi scheme. Ooh. So the government's running a Ponzi scheme of sort. You know, look, yes, you get your money back. So just for, for everybody that is tuning into us, we're talking with Charles Thorngren. We're talking about the of all the Roman Empire, the similarities between that and today, because like this is the big meme on TikTok right now. Um, <laughs> one of the points that Charles just brought up was how incredible it is that we are effectively deflating our way out of debt. And what he means, I think, by that is, you know, if you're a foreign country or, by the way, a U.S., you know, mom and pop investor. I mean, I invest in treasuries yep. at, at some point, like if you're holding that treasury debt, but there's so much inflation then you're not really going to get your money back. I mean, yeah, you may get 4 or 5% on the coupon and your money back. But if inflation is running at 8%, then guess what? That 5%, that's not so hot. You're, you're getting less money. Right. And so if the U.S. is trying to you know, really do this on a massive scale, then that's exactly what's happening. They can have China invest and it's a place to park your money or any other country or any other individual investor, you park your money in the U S but at the end of the day, you don't get as much back because of inflation. And so because there's a desire no matter what to have inflation. And, and we pay for that, right? We, the interest rate is paid by us, the people. So the government doesn't even pay for it. 
It doesn't come out of anything that they produce. It comes out of our taxes. This so, is why. I, I think I played you this soundbite before, and I don't have it handy, but I, I will play it for sure. For the viewers this week, there was a lawmaker who was actually in charge of the House Finance Committee. He's no longer there. He's since retired Democrat who gave this whole speech on how we're like the banker and monopoly. We control the money supply and everybody else just plays the game with it. And I heard that and I went, you moron, you absolute moron. Sure, you can be the banker and monopoly, but you know what? That didn't end so well. To, you know, look at uh, Weimar Republic Germany, right, where they had to, you know, have a wheelbarrow worth of Deutschmarks in order to buy a loaf of bread. I mean, when you just print money and print money and print money, same thing in Venezuela. I mean, look at the Bolivar in Venezuela where they're right. using it for toilet paper, for goodness sakes, because it's worth nothing. A friend of mine it, told it, me- It costs less than the toilet paper. <laughs> That's the other thing too. I mean, it, just from a cost basis, it's cheaper to use it as toilet paper than to buy the toilet paper. Gee. All right. So, I mean, that's why I'm looking at gold today. Gold's down $1,918.70 an ounce, down about 17 bucks there, or about nine-tenths of a percent. Does this have to do with the belief that the U.S. dollar is going to get stronger because the Federal Reserve is going to have to raise rates again? They passed yes. this time around? Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And we talked about it. I told you that we'd be one more raise this year anyway. Um, you know, that whole conversation was just to calm down the markets. We're not going to raise anymore. Um, but they have no choice. They have they have to raise again next year, too. I'm just looking. Through I, I know you hate it when I say these things. I want to get some of these in here, including uh, our good friend, Jake, who had a good one. OK, here we Jake says hello, Charles. Um, he hello, says, Jake. He's a young guy. He's in his early 20s. And he wants to know if he should invest in gold now or is it too early um, so, you know, what would you say? I mean, you know, I'm a big believer in diversification and to me, gold is part of that. Um, but I'm not giving financial advice. I'll, I'll let you take that question <laughs> on. If you're in your early twenties, you're young. This is, Jake, my son is like 10 and he, he wants to invest in gold. <laughs> Literally. He counts his allowance, not even an allowance. He actually has a job. This, this is a hardworking kid. He's got a real That's job cool. that he does on Saturdays and he, he keeps his money and he put it in the bank and he's really annoyed because He's not getting any interest on that money in the bank. And he said, I, I want to go buy a gold coin. Anyway, so um, I'll, I'll play this for my son, too. But, uh, Charles, what's your advice to young people who are interested in investing in gold? Well, Jake, you since you specifically asked, but, but everyone out there, you should invest no matter what age you are, no matter how much money you have. You need to diversify. Metal should be a part of that. It should be a part of everyone's investments. I don't care if you're five 75. If there's money that needs to be allocated, make sure you do it wisely. Be divisible, right? But metal should be part of that process. Some metals. Right now, you know, it, Jake, if you have the money, you know, um, I'm going to say something to you because you are 20 and you're not like me looking to cash out uh, on life here shortly. Uh, you got a long way to go. Start looking at some of these bonds that are paying a little bit higher percentage rate than you normally see. Get some of them now, right? But that's part of your diversification. But also remember to have cash on hand. The most important thing for people to remember, especially younger people, is that you have cash that's readily available. As you're learning about life and you're learning about the bumps that can happen that you didn't have a plan for, cash is good. 
but that's part of the plan. You, you sit down and figure out, this is how much I have. I should have a percentage here. I should have a percentage here. I should have some here and stick to that plan. And as you have money available, keep diversifying, but keep investing. When you're young, that's the age to acquire. When you get to be my age, you need to start to diversify out of the acquisitions and into the stability. Yeah. No, I, for you, actively yeah. do it. Don't think yeah. about it. Make it a habit. The more you invest, the better your life will be later. It's true. It's true. And in everything, I mean, that is such good mm -hmm. advice, Charles. Such good advice. You cannot put it under the mattress. My grandmother, who grew up in the Depression, never trusted a bank. Ever, ever trusted a bank. At some point, like, my mom was like, come on, mom. We got we to gotta get you a bank account. But she would deal with money orders when she needed to have a check. And she kept all of her money in her house. That is not what you want to do. I mean, I get that we don't all necessarily trust the banks either, which actually has a little to do with the gold investment as well. Right. But I think that, that Charles is giving very, very healthy advice here um, and and stuff that I fully, fully agree with because you, the, it's like just start, just do it, right? And this is what I, I tell my son who does have this little job and he, he's trying to start his own little company to get more jobs. It's very funny. <laughs> he's very, very industrious, but like every dollar he gets, he's there, drags me to the bank. <laughs> I had, I, Fantastic. Well, oh, it's the last thing I have to do. I, we go to the bank and he puts it in and he's been bringing this up. He's like, I need to get a return. So I, I appreciate that about him. And I, uh, I think there's no, there's, there's, you know, there, there's no downside, right, to, to getting ahead of the game. You just look at how that interest continues to compound. And uh, Leslie's joining us, one of our friends here. I actually think she has invested with you guys. Welcome, Leslie. Good to see you guys. You, her parents taught her well, she said. So that's very, very good to hear. And then people are talking a lot about the Roman Empire. I think everybody's really interested in that, which I get. I mean, this is... Um, what about sort of you mentioned something about the conquering so they were so guided by this oh my gosh we've got to keep up with inflation we can't support our economy as we have it the only way to do this is to keep running around the world i'm going to ask kind of a controversial question right now and and, and it may not even make sense but i'll just throw it out there because for those people that are really concerned about our spending overseas and ukraine situation and you know, look, I, I think there's a lot of reasons why it's almost becoming like a proxy war, right, with China. And we're afraid, like, if we don't do well over there, what happens with Taiwan, et cetera. So I'm going to leave aside sort of the reasons for being being there and the political reasons and all of that and just talk about the money. Because people are like, and, and Ron, Ron Paul's actually been way out, you know, on this saying. And he was saying from the beginning, I actually remember being with him. We did a speech together in Vegas a few years ago, just as this was launching or just at the time that it was beginning and ron was saying former congressman of course from texas look this is all about keeping the big big military companies happy like we, the boeings right. of the world etc raytheons and i thought gosh that's really cynical but just hearing what you said about the need to right keep going out and finding more silver more gold What's your take on that about what Ron has said repeatedly? That and, and Tulsi Gabbard actually has said the same thing right. as well. Yeah, and uh, you know, I'm so happy you mentioned uh, Tulsi Gabbard. We're seeing a, a subsection of people in politics now that I feel learned from Ron Paul. 
I don't, when the day is done and we look back on history, I think Ron Paul is going to be one of the people that we talk about who led us to the answer. Will it be in his lifetime? Probably not. But the arguments and the fights he fought have inspired so many people to stand on the floor and argue with everyone who says you're crazy. But at the end of a decade, it starts to prove right. And then another decade later, people are beginning to realize. And now we have people who are making these decisions who understand what he meant. So I I think, you know, he never made it to be president. Sad thing, right? But his influence is far greater than it would have ever been had he been just a president. I think him and what he's taught this younger generations of politicians will make a difference in time. So now uh, enough of how much I love Ron Paul. I think you gathered that from that little comment. Yeah, I know. I hear you. Of course, Ron, like I want to go to Broken Prophet right now who has another question. Um, So keep the questions coming, guys, because we just have Charles for a short time and we're going to get back to some of the political news. But um, we're live. You never know what I'm going to say. I said to Ron, like, did you like talk to Rand about this? Like when he was a little kid, he's like, no, we didn't really. I'm like, cause, Oh gosh, I torment my kids. Right. Like I, I sit there and talk about treasury <laughs> and debt and gold right. and like, the, the, my poor kids. Like he, he apparently didn't do that to Rand. Rand just kind of picked it up on his own. Um, broken prophet said, so, and this is a very good question. Very good question. Should I have actual physical coins or should I have a fund? Like Great fund. question. Great question. Broken. Uh, what was broken? Broken profit. Broken profit. I love your question. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to ask your answer your question by asking a question and then giving the answer that I think that you would give uh, a little presumption of, of me, but um, that's what we're going to do. Is it better to have uh, a gun if your house gets broken into, or is it better to own stock in um, Smith and Wesson, right? Is it better to have dollars in your house or an electronic, an electronic balance at your bank that you may not have access to? So the question is this, should I have physical metals or trade a fund? If you want to day trade metals, if you want to take And metals aren't, listen, you can day trade them. You can day trade anything in this environment. This is the new world. But metals were never meant to be that kind of a trade. It was never meant to be a spec trade. Day trading is spec. But you can do it. And if that's what you're looking to do is to buy and sell metals on a daily basis or over a short period of time a week, use the fund. But understand one thing. That fund is not backed by 100% of the metals that they represent. It's a leveraged account, and that leveraged account works against you if it should ever come into trouble. If that fund ever gets hit with massive calls, because a lot of these funds will say this is a callable um, amount of material that you have. You can call and ask for it to be delivered. If they ever get hit with large calls, they're not going to have enough metals to be able to satisfy that. So you're trading on a very speculative nature on something that's meant to be safety. So... Yeah, I mean, so so those ETFs and everything that, you know, you can invest in an ETF. Um, if you do, you've really got to look because there are some ETFs that do have a certain amount of gold. But I mean, 
what what Charles is talking about is is right, and they're kind of two different things, right? Like I think if you want uber liquidity, although you guys have, you should talk about that with your 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 own company um, because you guys do have liquidity. But like a lot of people, they're like, okay, I got this gold, I've got this physical gold. Leslie telling us um, she's worked with you guys, she loves you guys, and hi she, Leslie. <laughs> she she's telling everybody you want the physical stuff at her age. Absolutely. She said you want the physical stuff. But some people that are like just trying to trade in and out, like, and say, okay, you know, mm-hmm. I think gold's going to go up this week. And, you know, they, so sometimes they'll use, because it's it's easier, right, to have these gold funds and GLD or something in ETF. But actually, I was just thinking, because you guys rolled out a new website and you can buy yep. and sell gold in real time. Am I right? Uh, in real time. And that's physical that metals. Are, it's physical <laughs> metals that are held. Um, <laughs> so you can go to com. I actually have an account there and yeah, he's always poking around in there wanting to get those gold coins. Um, <laughs> I'm like, no, 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 stick to silver, stick hon. To silver. Stick to silver for now, right? Like your, yes. your little job is not going to support the gold coin. But um, the silver is a little bit more manageable um, for some people. But I think that, that what I'm getting at is you guys actually do have kind of, am I right to say like an instant liquidity? Explain we that. Do. We have, it can be physical metals that are held. We know that it's held. We know how much you have, right? Mm -hmm. So you liquidate, it's cash. We get it transferred over to your bank. It's really that simple, okay? Um, If you're really interested in day trading and you don't want to go the ETF route, go to our platform and look at some of the digital gold that's out there. Now, you have to be very careful. And I only say it because there's one place that I trust, and that's the Canadian Mint does a digital account where you can trade gold, where it's metals that they hold in the mint's vault. So you avoid a lot of liquidity uh, issues there. And you and for me personally, if you're going to go digital, and, and I typically don't, um, especially now, um, I don't think there's enough volatility for it to make sense, to be, for one. Um, but if you are, if you go with something like the Canadian Mint's digital Maple Leaf, if Canada falls, then your money doesn't matter anyway, right? So looking at it as the worst case scenario, this is the best place if you're going to dis- digi- digitally trade or, or try to day trade uh, mm-hmm. the commodity of gold or silver. Okay. Um, but if you don't have some in hand, do that first. Okay. Build a portfolio first. Have something in hand in case the day, you know, the Internet's not working or if we're considered bad people one day and we don't get access to the Internet because we didn't do something the government likes. All that trading stuff is gone. You're not going to be able to do it, right? So physical in your hand is important. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm just, again, looking at, at some of the interesting questions that you guys um, are, are putting forward. Uh, you know, the, people talking about a lot of different things here, including tax cuts that we've seen. You mm-hmm. were just referencing those. Um, you know, what's very interesting to me, and not to get too political, we can keep it sort of on the economic policy, but you, you think about those tax cuts, right, that Donald Trump put through and frankly, you know, look, I live in the Northeast. It didn't help me much, right? Because right. I can't deduct my state taxes anymore. You're in Texas, so it's good for you. You know, if you're in Texas, if you're in Florida, if you're in New Hampshire, where you don't have any state income taxes, it turned out to be a really good thing. But what's astonishing to me is how people have portrayed that, and the Democrats have portrayed that as somehow really, really negative for the middle class. And I'm like, no, no, no. It actually hurt. Some of the wealthier Americans, like they're, they're like, oh, it benefited the wealthy. And I'm like, no, because all the wealthy live in California and New York. 
And right. all of those people, that's why they're all moving to Florida, incidentally. What do you think Carl Icahn is moving to Florida for and the, the rest right. of the hedge fund managers, et cetera? They're moving to Florida because they want a better tax situation, even Jeff Bezos. So, uh, you know, I, I, I'm amazed at how these numbers get reinterpreted from a tax perspective. I mean, we actually were seeing the most growth within the, the U.S. middle class, median income growth, than we had seen in 50 years up until COVID. And that's deteriorated now. So why, I ask you, why has that deteriorated? Oh, well, we've gotten this inflation. What, have, what has Joe Biden and company done fundamentally wrong in your view, Charles? Let's talk layoffs. How many companies have we seen that have had layoffs? They're going to talk to you about unemployment numbers. They always fail to tell you that there's a certain period of time. If someone's been unemployed for a lengthy period of time, they fall off the unemployment records. They're no longer considered unemployed. They're, mm -hmm. they're considered people who are not looking for a job. Mm -hmm. So we don't count them. We only want to count the people who are actively trying to find a job. Mm -hmm. Right? So we've had so many layoffs. And layoffs, layoffs don't come to the wealthy people, and they don't come to the people in poverty, right? Layoffs affect the middle class because if someone's in poverty and they're working for a company, that means not, they're not making that much money. So reducing that person from the workforce does not help the company in many ways unless they're just shutting down. Layoffs come to those of us in the middle class, those of us who make more than enough money to not be poor, but not enough money to make decisions on who gets laid off. That's where your layoffs come. And this is why it affects the middle class. You also now, I mean, we're looking at the cost and the amount of inflation, mm -hmm. right? Inflation, again, is one of those items. It hurts, it hurts those who are below middle class, but it hurts the middle class even more because we buy more things. Yeah. We spend more money. Mm -hmm. We also buy a higher end things. We don't, we're not stuck to just buying the necessities of life. This is why um, the Fed likes higher inflation or uh, higher interest rates when they when they want to fight inflation, right? If you raise the interest rates, you make it harder for the middle class to buy things. They don't think it's worth anything anymore. So they quit spending. So they try to create a downward pressure so that you can begin to fight inflation in the economy. By reducing demand, you don't have to have as much supply. You don't have pricing pressures. It is the very bizarre dance that the Federal Reserve is supposed to do. What I what I'm just blown away by, I mean, aside from the fact that the Fed completely missed this, I mean, you and I were sitting here like talking about it, like it was so obvious. Like, how could you guys miss this? But I'm sort of struck by the incompetency overall. I'm gonna play for you some sound. I want the viewers to react as well. This is Jennifer Granholm who was asked by my friend Tom Keene, who I used to work with over at Bloomberg Television. This is when she first came into office, and she was uh, the new energy secretary. And what was shocking to me is he said, you know, hey, what is the grand home plan for energy? And she proceeded to, like, laugh. And I just thought, oops, did I have it? I had it. Let's see if we can pull it back again. Um, it just shocked me because... I, I get the sense that you have a lot of people that are career politicians. In her case, she was the former governor of Michigan. She 
was a wannabe television news anchor, didn't work out at MSNBC for her. Then she goes back into the administration as the energy secretary. I'm like, how are you the energy secretary? Like, can we not get people that have had some experience in the energy sector actually as our energy secretary? Watch this, Charles. Everybody who's watching the show right now, I'm curious to get your thoughts on this. Jennifer Granholm with her grand old energy plan. In Sturgis, Michigan, it is $2.89 a gallon. I guess that's better than in California. What is the grand home plan to increase oil production in America? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> that is hilarious. Would that I had the magic wand on this. As you know, of course, uh, oil is a global market. It is controlled by a cartel. That cartel is called OPEC. And they made a decision yesterday that they were not going to increase beyond what they were already planning. So she is she's something else like she's punting. I don't think she knows what the heck to say. Her answer at one point was, well, everybody should just buy an EV. Oh, yeah. Like everybody is 60 grand just hanging around to go out and buy a, a new EV. I, I'm amazed by this, this lack of competency. I mean, at least at the Fed, you'd hope you get some better people. And yet we don't even have better people at the Fed. I mean, they may have worked in finance. They may have worked in academia, but gosh, they don't know what they're doing either. I mean, it's very alarming, Charles. It's very alarming. When it comes to energy, um, we know that this administration doesn't believe you need any experience. I mean, Hunter was uh, a C-suite executive. <laughs> so he, he was well-suited for the job. So why not her? Yeah. Why not Grant Hold as well, right? It, it's just gas. You, no, I mean, you, at least Hunter had worked for some you know, fossil fuel companies overseas, right. which, by the way, total non-Sequitur. But I'm shocked that everybody there in the Democratic Party is, oh, they hate fossil fuels. They hate fossil fuels. They hate fossil fuels. And where is the son of the vice president getting his gigs all over the world mm -hmm. for none other than fossil fuel energy companies really sketchy ones in china ukraine romania you name it anyway yeah he had more qualifications than jennifer Granholm. And, and, and you know the amazing thing was was also that um y you you didn't have dependency on foreign oil under the last administration so you, you talk about the gangsters the the cartel opec we didn't need them. So if you take that statement and break it down, you've decided it's better for us to deal with the gangsters. And why is that? Is it because, you know, um, you know, the, the sun's I mean, working? I, I, I have to be careful about saying that. And I that's said why that. I'll I say, it like that. Yeah, but that's... I'm like, <laughs> so, okay, we can't produce energy. We're not allowed to drill in Alaska, but family members that are lobbying for energy companies overseas in Eastern Europe or in China, like, oh, fine. But I mean, here, I'm going to play you some, some more sound just to really get your, gets my Irish up. I, I, I don't know if you're Irish, so I can't say get your Irish up. But this is Hillary Clinton sitting in front of a giant CGI sign. So remember Hillary Clinton, you know, the global initiative. So they get a lot of money here from all these different countries She's actually talking about the election interference that she suspects is coming. But I just think it's rather, and, and I don't want to veer too far away from oil with you, but it's kind of amazing because all of these people are, 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 are talking such a good game, and yet their clients, the people that are paying them, are all these other players overseas, which just makes me sort of question where we are and, like, where our compass is. Here we go. 
Vladimir Putin uh, has obviously your friend, your friend and mine. Uh, yes, indeed. He has uh, intervened in our election in the past. Right. It's not something, as you experienced firsthand, it's not something we talk about a lot. Do you fear that that is something that could be happening for 2024? And do you think we should be talking about it more? Well, I think we should be talking about it more because I don't think, despite all of the uh, you know, deniers, uh, there's any doubt that he interfered in our election or that he has interfered in many ways in uh, the uh, internal affairs of other countries, funding political parties, funding, you know, political candidates, uh, buying off, uh, you know, government officials in different places. Yeah. I mean, it's just kind of sort of ironic because this is what is being alleged about, of course, Hunter Biden. Um that he was for sale or, or enabling sort of access to his dad from these foreign officials. I mean, it, I get it. it's neither here or there in terms of gold, but I just look at this it is, and though. say, what, why, how, how would you, how would you think about that? You, you talk about interference in, in our nation. That's the kind of security that you want to protect yourself against. Right. Mm-hmm. When you think of security, we need food, we need shelter, we need money. If you're feeling insecure about any of those things, the other things have to be there to take care of. If you have no money, you need to make sure you have a house. You need to make sure you have food, right? Um, So you need to protect yourself. And and with a certain amount of fear, um, and and this is why when we talk, I always try to either make light of things or or not make it scary because fear is used as a tool. And and I, I don't always agree with that, right? I say we talk about the issues, we find out what's wrong, find a solution so you don't have to be afraid. But with fear comes the need to worry about everything, that insecurity. And insecurity brings people to say, I need to protect myself. So metals do play into that to some degree because you need to protect your, your finances. I will also say this, and this may not be popular, everyone, I'm going to keep an eye on the count here. If it drops, it's it's my fault. It's not Trish's <laughs> fault. You can't lambast another country for interfering with nations outside of itself when you do the same oh thing. Oh my gosh, no, I said this yesterday. So that I gave a whole monologue on that. I'm like, what do you think we do? I mean, I remember Angela Merkel, you know, they tapped her cell phone. I was with uh, um, Keith, uh, the, the, the former head of the NSA. We were doing a, a speaking engagement at the time, and I was asking him about it. He's like, what do you think we do? Like, yeah. what do you think they do? Like, She's tapping our phones. We're tapping hers. Like, this is just the way the world works. And I think you just have to, like, that is a total pretense for Hillary Clinton to pretend like Putin's interfering. Like, we don't. This is what we do, and it's what everybody else does. Like it or not, you just got to play the game better. And you can't have a conversation with me about election interference and then not listen to any of the cases that are brought up when someone says there's something wrong with this election. Just because it's not what you wanted, if you got the results you wanted, you can't now say, oh, there's no such thing. We can't tamper with these things. But yet when you lost, there's tampering. When you say we have well, to have fair like elections. Side it's a real or, you know, nothing, right? Just because Absolutely. you said that, you're going to have to endure my favorite soundbite that I can't <laughs> stop playing of Hillary Clinton here she is 
my viewers, they know I love this one because I don't want people to forget. Like, this is the hypocrisy, the double standard. In August of 2020, this is what, you know, seven weeks or something before the election, she went on with one of her former PR people who has a podcast and listened to what she said. Listen, guys, here we go. You know, Joe Biden should not concede under any circumstances because I think this is going to drag out and eventually, I do believe he will win if we don't give an inch. Woo. Woo. So you mm. see, in other words, she was willing to play hardball. Alan yep. Dershowitz has said, what do you think I did? I represented Gore, and we were looking for hanging chads everywhere. I hanging mean, back in the 1960s, in the Candy-Nixon election, they had put a whole state of alternate electors, right, in the state of Hawaii. I mean, this has happened before, and... I think in fairness, like if something's close, you ought to be able to ask proper questions. And if you're going to be indicted for asking the questions or heck, retweeting a network's article <laughs> as as was one of the counts on the indictment, like I, I don't know where we're heading. It, it's really um, it's an abuse that we're seeing. That has to be dealt with and. To know that we have a free election is to honor everything this country has ever stood for from day one. Every, the blood of every serviceman and woman that was ever shed deserves that that election process be free and it be accurate. Whether the results are what you like or not, the act of it itself is the most important thing that we need to make sure this country keeps because that's what makes us great. We make mistakes, but we also have the ability to vote out those mistakes at the next opportunity. So when you begin to get involved and Mickey Mouse and, and gerrymander nations and, 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 and counties and things like that, you take away what is the most important thing about America. Because look, our opinion on what's okay today is different from where it was yesterday. And our opinion today is going to seem old-fashioned to what happens 100 years from now. That's not the relevant part. The relevant part is that we, the people, have the ability to say where we want this country to go. And we can only do that by voting. That is the only thing that makes a difference. Doesn't matter how big our army is. It doesn't matter how great our Wi-Fi is. All of that is nonsense. If you can't determine who tells you what the law is and how it should be enacted and what should be voted on, yeah, the that's the most important yeah, thing. No, I, I hear you, and and not to mention like just the the faith in the institutions themselves. Right? We need to have that faith, and unfortunately. For a variety of reasons, I mean, I pin this a lot on the Democrats and just the constant line. And by the way, you know me, I don't really like either party. <laughs> like, you know, the Republicans, they get their share of problems, too. Um, and I, I really am happy to vote for anyone who has the right economic plan, the right international plan, the right plan to make us prosperous, successful and um, continue to be 
the United States of America that I think we all know and love. So that aside, I mean, I, I just look at the, the lack of faith in these institutions, and, and it's, it's, it's one thing after another, whether it's the Federal Reserve, right, since we're talking mm-hmm. about gold and economic policy, monetary policy, for goodness sakes, I mean, doing stupid stuff like printing so much money for so darn long. It was so obvious inflation was coming. Your economy was shut down. People couldn't do anything. They were stuck at home. They're getting checks galore and money's everywhere. What do you think is going to happen, right? And then they just kept printing and kept printing. You and I were talking about it. It was insane. So no faith in the Fed anymore. You look at what's going on in Washington, D.C. For goodness sakes, they shut down the New York Post Twitter account because, oh, you couldn't talk about the Hunter Biden laptop. 51 ex-spooks, including the former deputy CIA director, were like, nope, nope, nope. That's just Russian, Russian information courtesy of Rudy Giuliani. I'm sorry. Like, I know everybody wants to blame Rudy for everything, but like, it wasn't misinformation. It wasn't fake. It was real. And you have very important people trying to tell you otherwise. And so people get exhausted from this, Charles. I mean, Mm -hmm. it turns out that the Trump dossier, the dirty dossier, that those same crew of characters, right, were trying to tell us was real. That was fake. That was actually opposition research bought and paid for by the Hillary Clinton campaign. That was actual Russian interference that she just talked about that she did not want. Was the dossier brought by a Russian? Yes, that's Russian interference. Well, I, I mean, I would just say, like, come on. Like, at some point, people have to be able to have faith and trust in the system. And it's gotten trickier because... We're here. I, I mean, I'm talking to everybody. You're talking to everybody in this 3D universe. We're looking at their their comments. We have this ability to access more people. And so they're trying to shut down the, the, the printing press, right? If you would, they don't want this information out. And people are like, well, that makes me trust you less. Like, at least just <laughs> give me the opportunity to hear it all. Thank you very much. And that's that's so true. It, again, that, that freedom to to disagree the, the freedom um to speak your mind um the freedom to you know for the press to be able to be able to report i mean that this is a constitutional right that the government took away from the new york post that's a constitutional right freedom of the press yeah freedom of the milton press. freeman love milton, milton freeman. freeman i just put that up, so i'm just you know i just learned how to do that Literally right now. Mike, thank you. <laughs> Michael Donald's a, a loyal viewer here. Uh, he had a good comment there. Milton Friedman, learn it, live it. I love Milton Friedman. You're preaching to the choir here. Charles, I know, loves <laughs> Milton Friedman as well. You know, Milton wanted to destroy the Fed. Well, he said, please, no purpose. The, the Fed serves no purpose. I, I know that we've talked and I know they have a tough job, but their jobs are relevant. If you believe... And laissez-faire, the market will determine where prices should be. Mm-hmm. We know one thing, and I don't care what industry you pick, you choose. If you get government involvement in it, it becomes more expensive and less effective. And now you have the Fed involved and exactly that. Monetary policy and economics, more expensive and less effective. Yeah. I get it. I get it. Listen, uh, it is so good talking to you. I really, I just love talking to you. We, uh, we appreciate everything you do for the show and your sponsorship. And I know the viewers I- I appreciate hearing from you and just getting your perspective because there's just lots of interesting stuff there. Um, Charles joins the show from time to time. And you know what else, guys? He's actually been on the chat. 
last Sunday, you joined the chat. I was like, wait, is that really Charles? So he comes in here too and, and talks with all of you. So again, if you have more questions about investing in gold, I encourage you to go to the website. I'm going to put it in the show notes. I'll show it in the graphic um, when Charles is off the screen, but it's LegacyPMInvestments.com, 1-866-589-0560. That is their number and they can, they can talk to you and they can give you sort of a, a good sort of overall sense of things. I think that might be very helpful if, if you're wondering about what to do right now. So again, Charles, we thank you for being here. I so appreciate it. Um, we will talk to you again, sir, very, very soon. Thanks. As always, it's my pleasure. And, and, and everyone watching, thank you for listening. Um, an old man loves nothing more than a room that he can command. So uh, <laughs> I, I appreciate you for being here and, and thank you for supporting Trish as well. Thank you. Thank you so much. Okay, we're going to get back to business here. Thanks again to Charles. I am going to put up that number for you all. Right, here we go. One eight six six five. Oops, oops, wrong one. Sorry, Charles, you're back on. See, this is what I am again. Anyway, uh, 1-866-589-0560. We, again, appreciate all his time today. And I love seeing all your questions. And, uh, Mike, I had to put you up. I mean, you had so many questions there on the uh, – on the and, and Leslie, our good friend, the Fed should be the destroyer. Anyway, I'm not in New Hampshire right now, but I suspect it's uh, not too, too cold. I can ask my family, all of whom are there. So good to see you guys. It, it really is. I just want to get back to some of these other things things because we have to talk a little bit more about Hunter Biden briefly before I let you go. I'm really stunned to hear that Hunter just decided to sue everybody. Like when in doubt, just sue him. Hunter Biden spending big time. I don't know where he's getting the money. Clearly the IRS isn't getting the money, but anyway, uh, yes, he's, he's suing, uh, Rudy Giuliani now as well. He's suing the IRS. He's suing, um, Garrett Ziegler, He's suing John Paul Mac Isaac. That was the Delaware computer repairman, I guess, because the computer repairman called Rudy Giuliani and gave the computer to, to Rudy Giuliani. And he's he he wants representation against, of course, special counsel David Weiss. I mean, they have got to have one huge legal bill. I was going to say this is so millennial of him, but he's too old you see, Hunter Biden is not a kid, as they'd like you to think. Hunter Biden is a middle-aged man, older than me. And he's pulling a millennial kind of move, right? Where he's like, oh, let me just go sue. It's somebody else's fault. Couldn't possibly be my fault that I was doing illegal stuff. I mean, my dad's boss at the time, Barack Obama, the president of the United States, said no lobbying for any family members. And what did Joe do? He went out and lobbied. I mean, that in and of itself is a problem, right? And then on top of it, not only did he lobby, he didn't bother to register as a foreign agent. Where is David Weiss on those charges? I know, I know. What is it? Tomorrow we're going to have to see him in court. He tried to get out of it by doing a Zoom. Can you imagine? He thought he could just Zoom into his court appearance. Again, he's 50, what, three years old? <laughs> it's like he's, he's like a kid. They want us to think that. He's not a kid. And he was getting all kinds of money, frankly, that I really don't think he should have been getting. And I think this is going to catch up with him. Pretty soon he's going to sue CBS too, right? Because he's really angry. He sued the IRS because Gary Shapley, one of the whistleblowers, said this. Gary Shapley was a lead IRS supervisory agent in Operation Sportsman, the investigation into Hunter Biden. Shapley said he uncovered conduct that warranted more serious charges. There were personal expenses 
that were taken as business expenses. Prostitutes, sex club memberships, hotel rooms for purported drug dealers. How much did Hunter Biden owe in taxes? So from 2014 to 2019, it was $2.2 I mean, and, and, and he's suing them. He's suing the IRS. He's suing the guy who got his laptop and gave it to Giuliani. I mean, come on. This is really pathetic. I mean, unbelievably pathetic. He, any normal person would, would go to jail for avoiding taxes to the tune of two-plus million dollars. There was a guy in New Jersey who just the other day did go to jail for the exact same thing. And he didn't have all the foreign lobbying, etc. Listen, this is a scandal that could prove to be one of the biggest, I think, in modern history. I believe that. And by the way, I was late on this story because I was watching, 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 watching. I don't want to bring you any wrong information. I had to see the bank records myself. I had to look at this. I had to hear Devin Archer saying, well, we were selling the Biden brand. I had to hear about the 20 different times that Joe Biden called into client meetings. I mean, that wasn't just, hey, how are you, kid? That was, hey, this is my dad. My dad calls me. I've got influence. I mean, you've seen the text messages. Apparently, Pops got 50%. We need to know more about that. So anyway, the Republicans are calling forward a whole bunch of witnesses, none of whom really strike me as what we need just yet. I'd actually like to hear from the CEO and the CFO of Burisma. I'd like to hear from some really, really good tax experts. But they've got Jonathan Turley, who, you know, is, is a noted legal scholar, but he also happens to be a Fox News contributor. So, you know, he's going to be perceived as somewhat biased. I think they need to get away from that. I think that you need really substantive people and you need the main players. You need to actually ask the people that were involved. You need to call forward the women that Joe Biden was employing, you know, I mean, by the way, that puts them in violation of the so-called Man Act, which is what Jeffrey Epstein's madam went to jail for 20 years for. So things could get really, really bad. I realize everybody's freaked out about that. But keep in mind, you also have a third whistleblower that's come out saying they couldn't move forward in the state of California because the DOJ was in the way. So David Weiss couldn't bring charges. Third whistleblower, guys, okay, saying exactly the same thing. I think we got real problems here. I do think it's going to be the biggest scandal of the decade. I love having you here. Thank you so much for subscribing. We get a few more pieces of content coming your way, hopefully this afternoon. But thank you for being here live. It is great to see you. And uh, I, I love uh, seeing so many familiar faces and some new ones too. Randy, welcome. Daryl, good to see you again. Uh, it, it's really, really, really a pleasure. We will talk again tomorrow. Sorry on the volume, David. We'll see if we can work on that. You know what? You're right. Hey, is this one any better? It just took me a whole show to get here. We'll remember it for tomorrow. Thank you again. See you guys soon.